620, always a pleasure to say good morning to Lisa Raitt, former federal cabinet minister, now in the private sector, and one of our pundits. Nice to have you. Happy Wednesday. Thank you very much. Great to be here, John. All right. So we learned yesterday that Ontario is sitting on all kinds of money, and everybody's going to have their own perspective on this. I'm curious about yours. Yeah. So, I, I mean, they're taking, a, I agree with the minister's office when they say this is a snapshot in time, which is true. If you take what they think they're going to get in, in terms of taxes, and you look at all of the funding that they said they're going to do, this is what the amount in excess is going to be. But it doesn't take into consideration all of the other things that are going to have to happen in Ontario and things that may come up that you don't anticipate. So maybe what the what the politicians will look at is, okay, well, this is interesting. There's some money here, but we also have to make sure that we make it through the energy transition or we have to make sure that we do something on housing affordability. So it's, it's a good piece of information for people to have, but I wouldn't be going out and trying to figure out how they're going to develop new programs. And always on the table for conservatives, of course, are, um, are paying down the debt or tax cuts. Yeah, and I would be on the same page with you in terms of now is not the time to come up with new programs. We should come up with the programs we need and figure out how to pay for them. And if there's money left over, then we can figure out where that money goes. But the idea, oh, more programs, I think is a really bad one. Yeah, that's where that's where my head is on it. I think that's where a lot of Ontarians are right now, too, because they're looking at their own household finances and doing exactly the same thing. It's not time to start with new spending. Let's just get through the next couple of years. OK, so you were a federal cabinet minister. How would you react if you found out that your staff had been keeping a secret for two months about something as big as Paul Bernardo being sent from maximum security to medium security? This is absolutely devastating. I, I actually tweeted out last night that this is a nightmare. And I said it's a nightmare because your staff, when you are a cabinet minister, like your personal staff, they become your family, they become your friends. And it's such an act of, I would say, betrayal that you didn't know. And, and furthermore, that you're allowed to go out and make the comments that you did on Twitter and in public that, that Marco Mendicino made in terms of being an incomprehensible and this is terrible kind of thing when the people he's closest to in Ottawa all knew about it. So on that side, it's devastating. But I want to add just one piece or layer of information. And that is on Wednesday mornings, the chiefs of staff of all of the ministers have a meeting, just like the caucus has a meeting in Ottawa. And oftentimes they, they talk about what's going on. I am pretty sure that the staff of Marco Mendicino would have told the prime minister's office about this about this transfer upcoming. So a lot of people in Ottawa knew about it and a lot of people didn't try to figure out how to get ahead of it or even if they could do something about it. And that, um, and letting the minister out there hang himself in public by saying that, I, I can't believe this happened. I, I really, um, it's shameful. Okay, so if your staff had done this to you, would you fire people? Yeah, there would have to be, there would have to be, some, well, it's, look, John, it's either you take action or you're taken out. I mean, that's just the reality of it. The minister didn't know. Who are you going to blame? The staff knew. Well, then someone has to take the fall. Otherwise, it's the minister for not controlling the department and the staff. Okay, so this latest poll from Abacus paints a fascinating portrait. Canadians are jittery for change. They want a change in their federal government. They would uh, vote conservative tomorrow, but they're not convinced that they like any of their choices. They're tired of Justin Trudeau and they're afraid of Pierre Polyev. 
Yeah, this is really bad news for any government to see that change number being so high. I think the Kathleen Wynne government saw the same thing, yeah. that the change number being so high. And quite frankly, look at the turmoil that the Progressive Conservative Party went through in Ontario prior to. I mean, we had we had Patrick Brown stepping down. We had a leadership race all very close to the election date. And quite frankly, I mean, a lot of people said, oh, no one's ever going to vote for Doug Ford. And here we are, you know, second term in. So what does it mean for the conservatives? I, if people are telling themselves, well, you know, people don't like Pierre Polyev, so therefore this is meaningless, uh, you know, forget about that, guys. I mean, the reality is, is that when you hit that tipping point of scandal after scandal or decision after decision that isn't going the way of the government it's it's too late it doesn't matter who necessarily is going to be going to be going up against mr trudeau um the reality is people are going to be set in their ways and it becomes groupthink he's done Canada's top judge is raising the alarm over the number of judicial vacancies and in the shadow, Lisa, rate of this uh, Supreme Court decision that you have to get a trial within a certain date or we're going to set you free even if you killed somebody. Uh, this is pretty concerning. Super concerning. Um, I, I mean, when the Supreme Court justice is, is saying we've got 22% of the cases in Alberta are in jeopardy of being thrown out. And a high proportion of those are violent cases. Over 90% are violent cases. You really got to start worrying about it. Again, the minister's response was, well, we're not getting enough people to apply that are racialized or or women because they don't, they don't trust the system. Um, okay, we still need judges, Minister Lametti, and people are applying for it. And basically what the government is saying, well, people may be applying, but it's not the people that we like. So they are weighing against whether or not we're going to have cases dismissed, whether or not they like the candidates that are coming forward. I would submit that that risk analysis is really wrong. A Canadian group wants to restrict junk food marketing, particularly cereals. The markets directly to kids, you know, the Count Chocula and stuff like that. Uh, I didn't even know we were still marketing to kids. Oh, my gosh. Everything is marketed to kids. But here's <laughs> the deal. Um, you know what? The, I don't think the, the five to nine-year-olds are rolling into Loblaws and, and putting their money on the counter to buy these sugary cereals. They are asking their parents. So it's the parents' decision about whether or not to buy these, whether or not they can put up with the haggling that happens when you're taking your kids through the grocery aisles. And it's it really is a parental decision. And to say that we're marketing to children and children have all this power and sway, yeah, they can be, they can bug you, they can bother you. And maybe you say, I'll get you these lucky charms if you just stop bothering me for a minute. But to say that parents do such a crap job of not telling their children no that we have to take away all of this marketing i you know are we getting a little bit into too much of the state nanny control here it's funny i just was doing some googling because i knew there was a phrase lisa to describe mm -hmm. what what happens when kids are bothering their parents and apparently it's called pester power oh interesting well it, it doesn't stop when they grow up Honestly, I have a 21 and an 18 year old and their pester power just gets more and more every day. Yeah, but now it's going to be for a car and a mortgage. Oh, it's too early to talk about that. <laughs> uh, what do you make of this uh, Ontario politician who might run for the leadership of the provincial liberals? And he's pitching the idea that everybody would get a stat holiday that they could take anywhere. 
So um, an MPP who's thinking about running for leader, who I've never heard of before, is being talked about on John Moore's show in the morning because he comes up with an idea that sounds a little crazy. Mm. It's a good play. It's a good play. Oh, okay. It's a good play. Good for him. But still, good I look at him. this. If I were an employer, I'd say, oh, thanks. You know, it's a bit like Family Day where Dalton McGinty created a brand new holiday that employers had to pay for. Absolutely. And people on the other side are going to say, hey, this is a great thing. Thank you for recognizing the fact that I don't necessarily fit into what is normally in the statutory holiday. As I said, we're talking about it. Good for him. Yeah, but we're talking about a dumb idea anyway. (laughs) Right, exactly. And there's all kinds of dumb ideas that come up. But I mean, would I vote for this? No, I wouldn't vote for this. BC man disrupted a track meet for children and asked the gender of a nine-year-old be confirmed. Has it really come to this? No, it hasn't. Throw him off the field. That's ridiculous. That's just somebody being a complete and utter cretin. I have no time for this kind of nonsense where people are interrupting track meets. If there's a legitimate complaint of any kind about anything, there are proper processes to go through. This ain't it. This guy is uh, was was ridiculous. And I believe the person with him, if, if it was his wife, I don't know who it was, equally ridiculous. They should have been asked to leave. Lisa Raid, thank you so much. What a pleasure. Thank you. Former federal cabinet minister Lisa Raitt on The Morning Brief. And yeah, I get it. People are outraged by things like a transgender woman won a bike race against other women by five minutes the other day. And that very same athlete has argued that they should create categories that actually recognize transgenderism and then we wouldn't be in this. And yeah, I do think a race like that is unfair. But asking a nine-year-old to be undressed, I mean, honestly you got to be a pretty big sicko for that.